With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. This is Ed McGrogan here with the Tennis in 10 podcast. And we're going to go a little uh, longer than 10 minutes today, extended version for a couple of reasons. First, I did want to atone for two missed podcasts earlier this week. So that's, you know, we can add on another 20 minutes if we if we decide it's warranted. And, it, you know, it very well may be because um, we have no tennis tomorrow on the middle Sunday. So maybe a little longer podcast to uh, to make up for that. And we have, you know, obviously a bit to go over with the first week of play complete, the first three rounds of play complete, no significant weather interruptions. There was there was only brief uh, rain earlier in the week, I believe, on Tuesday, giving us the you know much anticipated so-called manic Monday with all 16 fourth round matches between both the men's and women's singles draws. And the order play just came out, and that's another reason why you know I think we go you know we have quite a bit to discuss. One thing I wanted to start off with, and I would encourage you all to participate in, is to go to my Twitter account, that's at Ed McGrogan, and look over the order of play, and I put up a poll that asks which of the top three show courts, center, number one, or number two, would you prefer to have, would you most want to have a ticket for on Monday? And I think it's a a pretty tough call depending on, you know, you know, what you fancy in terms of uh, specific players, the tours, the matchups themselves. So I want to run those down to start, and then we can dig into you know to our thoughts, to my thoughts on those matches. We start at center, and I, I saw a tweet earlier today asking about you know which which woman's match would be placed on center because um, you know unlike the U.S. Open um, during that during its day session. Um, they typically only have one women's match on at Wimbledon on center court during the day. They, they have two men's matches almost all the time otherwise. Um, and it goes to Venus Williams against Anna Kanju, the, the, the number 10 against the number 27 seed. 27 seed is playing the 37-year-old player. And uh, so, you know, Venus gets the placement on center, um, does not go to Kanta, doesn't go to a pair of very strong WTA matches on number two court, which we'll get to in a bit. But Venus will kick things off against against uh, against Kanju here. Um, Kanju, you know, has has done I think over the um, you know over the course of really the past year or so. Still, you know, she's only 19 years old. She's she's barely half of Venus's age. Um, but has actually played a fair amount of Grand Slam tennis, really, already. She 
was a quarterfinalist of the U.S. Open last year. This is her first fourth round at Wimbledon. Um, she has made it past the first round at you know every slam. She actually won a round at Roland Garros each of the past three years. So, um, And she's had um, success here at Wimbledon um, as a junior as well. Actually, some double success. She was a runner-up in the girls' doubles in uh, in 2012, um, and goes against Venus, who you know, as has been well documented, um, has obviously had a lot more on her mind besides just tennis um, coming into this week here. And you know, what I'm thinking about this match here is is I see you know. For for Kanju, there is really you know there's there's certainly nothing to lose for her at this point. Um, it's you know, and I think that I think that does make it a, a you know a potentially a potentially difficult match for Venus uh, when you consider that. You know, I don't think Venus has had has been from a strictly playing point um, has been at her you know, at her absolute best here at Wimbledon. I thought she actually started out stronger at the French uh, with her play. Uh, but she did, you know, has only dropped one set thus far. Um, got by, you know, she just ended up playing a, a pretty young player, Naomi Osaka. Um, and, you know, has another, you know, has an has the early contest on Monday, um, you know, against what I think will be, you know, a, a pretty formidable challenge. Um, given what we've seen from Kanju, you know, this far and thus far and from in previous tournaments, previous Grand Slam tournaments. You move on, um, and it's Andy Murray and Roger Federer whose matches will fill out the rest of the center court schedule. Um, not a not a giant surprise there. Murray against Pear, Federer against Dimitrov. I think, you know, I think the Federer-Dimitrov match certainly... Um, you know, would have I think it would be a little more sort of appealing if we had you know if the Grigor Dimitrov we saw at the Australian Open who made the semis um, had really kind of kind of you know sustained that going forward after that. But I will say this about Dimitrov: I think I think he plays great on grass. Um, you know, he's ha- he's obviously had some success here in the past uh, as well. And, you know, you know, once again, this is it's a rare spot for Dimitrov in the fact that for all the expectation that was placed on him and, and, you know, still kind of dealing with some of that pressure. Again, he is not going to have anything to lose against Federer in this match. You know, the crowd is all going to be for Federer. Um, You know, the it's and, and given how Federer has looked thus far, um, you know, certainly the the talk of of seeing Roger again kind of you know saving up for these specific tournaments in each year looks like this in this particular season looks like um it was well thought out and uh you know carefully considered um before that with Murray and Pear um I don't really sense I don't you know I don't sense Pear as hard as he hits um I just I don't see it happening against Murray. I think it's going to take a pretty strong effort to you know to take out Murray at this particular Wimbledon. Um, you know he he has he's made his way to the second week. He has you know I think I think the crowd support for Murray over the years, especially as he's won these tournaments. You know I I think it's I think he is uh, 
you know, he's built up a, almost a bigger base because he's been able to prove himself. And, and I, I only mention that. It seems kind of obvious, but I think for a long time we were thinking about, you know, Murray will have this huge rush of support because, you know, no Brit had won Wimbledon. But when he did that in 2013 um, and did it again last year, I think I think the locals, you know, might are are seeing that this is clearly a once in a in a, a generation a lifetime player potentially um in British tennis here um and I think you know still number 1 in the world um it it's he's got he's got a lot going for him right now in spite of this not being his most successful year to this point you know for all that's happened to Murray before Wimbledon he still has Wimbledon and I don't think Pear is going to uh, disrupt that for it, you know, at least for this round. So you move on to number one court um, with this is where Kanta is. Um, certainly, her against Garcia is a center court worthy match at this point, given Kanta's obviously British ties. Garcia has been really been um, playing well of late, especially also a lot of success from guys, with the exception of Stan Wawrinka. Um, a lot of success from players who did well at Roland Garros um, going on to Wimbledon here. Ostapenko still in the draw. Rafa playing, you know, very, very well. Um, Halep, you know, hasn't, you know, she has she's turned things around pretty nicely here at the All England Club. And Garcia, too, um, he had a nice little run at her home slam. And, you know, again, I, I know this kind of is repeating myself a little bit here. But there are so many matchups where there is a clear-cut favorite and there's a very talented player that has nothing to lose, but plenty of game and plenty of ability to take advantage of that. Conten Garcia is one example of that. Uh, Rafa and Jill Moeller, the next match, is another example of that. Um, Mueller, you know, Moeller, Mueller, sorry, there's a lot of mispronunciations here. I really do apologize for that. I mean, I mean no disrespect any of the players or any fans by that but um this will be you know i i think we're gonna see i think we're gonna see some tiebreakers in this one um a couple lefties too and i think for you know for rafa you know the first week was was a, a necessary way to um you know build up his game on grass and just to you know i think i, I think build you know reestablish kind of what he is capable of on at Wimbledon and also just you know to continue what we've seen all this year on him and on all surfaces um Muller is a guy who is of course going to serve serve quite big and um and you know Rafa's returning um will be tested but so will his ability to uh you know to take advantage of those points where he does get the ball back in play and you know the the rallies are going to be lopsided in Rafa's favor. It's just a matter of how good more um, can serve, and you know, in his case, I think it's it's getting these sets to tiebreakers, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. There um, to close out number one core, Djokovic and Manorino. Um, Djokovic, um, he had a, he had a, a long interview on ESPN actually today after. After his win um, against Ernest Golbus, a straight set victory, thought that was a pretty encouraging sign for Novak. I, you know, again, 
we have not seen the best from Novak Djokovic, and I think that is one, um, you know, that's one point of, of caution that I would give people um, that are that are kind of playing down his chances. That I is that he's gotten through this first week without too much difficulty, um, without anywhere near the game that has won him this tournament uh, three times, and you know, as as recently as last year, you know, made him a clear cut number one. So. Um, you know, Djokovic, uh, again, I think he gets a nice little play. He gets a nice draw here in Manorino. Manorino with sort of a, a good serve for grass as well. Um, you know, hits flat. Um, and, and, you know, he'll be, again, going for his shots against Djokovic. Don't see, you know, I don't really see a um, a path to victory from Manorino. But, you know, again, um, has nothing to lose to at the same time. Let's move to number two court. And I, you know, I just realized obviously that typically in these tennis intents, we're looking back at the completed day of play. Um, on Saturday, day six, um, not a lot in the way of of upsets, certainly. Um, but I think, you know, at this point, really want to kind of focus on where, you know, where the tournament stands, you know, with the with the with the day off and, you know, heading into what is hopefully going to be a memorable Monday? Uh, maybe that's the you know the right adjective for manic. Is, it, it's just a little overdone. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that one. So number two core. The reason this one goes on my poll, you know, that those are that's a strong slate for center and number one. I feel pretty good for the people in the queue for both those courts that are probably there now. Um, I think it was even reported on Wimbledon's Twitter that. Um, the queue is full for both center and number one for Monday. Um, but if you are going to queue and get grounds pass, which is, um, you know, also doable, I actually had, had dinner one, uh, one evening over in London with someone who did that, um, and said it was actually, you know, um, you know, a commitment obviously, but not, um, insurmountable or, or, you know, um, Something that can be done if you really want it. And you'd be rewarded if you get one um, because you could hang out on number two court all day on Monday and see a, a just a trove of good tennis here. You have Angelique Kerber, the world number one against Garb- Garbina Muguruza, French Open champion, Wimbledon finalist. You have Victoria Azarenka, two-time Grand Slam champion, former number one against Simona Halep, number two seed, French Open finalist just a couple weeks ago. You have Milos Raonic, defending runner-up at Wimbledon, against Alexander Zverev, uh, certainly the best young player in the game and uh, the potential in, at both Wimbledon and the rankings um, is is uh, excessive. And uh, um, Sorry, not excessive. He has, you know, I think tremendous potential, um, given his uh, his talents and what he's shown so far already on grass too, no less. He beat Federer last year um, in Halle, actually, and um, you know this is a this is an exceptional slate to this point. Azarenka will start actually with the first match. Kerber Muguruza, that's four to three in favor of the Spaniard. Um, they have they played actually five times in 2015, um, with Muguruza winning four of those matches. She is actually on a four-game winning streak against Kerber. Um, they played at the French Open at Wimbledon, um, seven-six, 
with a 14-12 tiebreaker, 1-6-6-2. Uh, WTA finals as well. So they played on all surfaces, um, you know, and some strange score lines actually. They're they're matching Sydney, which admittedly is right at the start of the year, so you can't. I don't think you're getting the full examination of each player to that point. Battle tested 0-6-6-1-6-4. That went to Kerber. So, you know, their history, um, obviously siding right now with Muguruza. Um, you know, Kerber today at Wimbledon goes the three-set distance with Shelby Rogers. She came back from four set and four, two or four, one down in the second set. Um you know, not a not a whole lot from Kerber from this first week that gives you the assurance that you know the the number one player and actually last year's finalist um, is really ready to kind of um, you know turn the season around a bit. And for Muguruza, I think going a bit under the radar, quite honestly, um, given what she's able to do um, on the turf here. Uh, if, if I do, I mean, I, I, am going to pick Muguruza in that one. I, I do think the Kerber clock is kind of ticking on her, her time at Wimbledon. This is a, this is a pretty tough draw for her, um, you know, as a, as a fourth round matchup. I did say before the tournament that the number 10 through 20, um, you know, sorry, 11 through 20, the players in the world, they almost had as much potential as, the number one through uh, ten seeds on the WTA, and this is a great example of that. Um, Muguruza hasn't been able to build that ranking back up into, you know, the top three, top five, but you know is still able to pick her. Is still able to, you know, to really thrive in certain situations. Um, and I think number two court will get a um, a nice little debut match with those two. And then you move on to Azarenka. And Halep, who have actually only played three times in their career, um, uh, last time in 2015, and the only two times before that was in 2012. Um, at the 2015 U.S. Open, a quarterfinal that went Halep's way, 6-3-4-6-6-4. Um, Azarenka won the other two matches in hard courts, uh, pretty lopsided, but this is um, this is long before Halep really began to dedicate herself to singles and become the player that we know that we know today. Um, Azarenka, love what I've seen from her this first week. That's I, I think has got to be said. Um, it's a uh, you know I think somewhat unexpected. I think she was um, you know nearly pretty you know nearly out in um, in the first round. She. Uh, dropped the first set to CC Bellis, won that in you know three, of course, but then you know afterwards takes out uh, Vesnina last year a semifinalist in Wimbledon six three six three, and then gets center court billing yesterday and defeats Heather Watts and the Brit there six four in the third. Um, I, you know Azarenka again. What does she have to lose, really, in a match like this against Halep, who is still going to be saddled with that number two ranking, the you know inability to have won a slam, and the scars of the French Open, really? She has played very well this week, um, not losing a set, and you know peng- getting by Peng Shui 6-4, 7-6 um, in her last match. Um, this is a tough call, uh, I think, because I think you can exp- – I think you can – come up with some reasons for both um, being kind of 
unable to you know get by the other in in, in a spot like this. I I do I do love the Azarenka, um, I like the Azarenka serve a little bit more in this match. This is not going to be a serving exhibition by any means. Um, you know, one of a one of the better backhand uh, battles though of of the entire day between these two. Um, not an easy one to go by, which I think again plays up to where you know how number two court is shaping up in terms of just you know some really nice tennis uh, coming up on uh, on Monday. And you close it out with Raonic against Zverev. Um, you know, one where I think we want to see you know f- you know from Alexander Zverev. I mean, is this maybe? Is a match like this and is a Wimbledon like this one where, um, you know, maybe we are, again, going to kind of see the continued uh, progress of him. He had a very nice, he hasn't lost a set yet. Um, this is the farthest he has gone at a Grand Slam tournament, so there is that to consider. Um, and Raonic obviously has plenty of success on this surface and, of course, on grass, given his serve. Um, he has won one, two, three, four tiebreakers this week. Um, only lost one set. So I think both of these two coming into this uh, on good rolls. And um, it is tough to, tough to pick against Raonic on grass here for sure. Um, his health was a bit of a, consi- a concern coming into Wimbledon. And... Um, you know, this would be one of the most impressive wins of, of Zverev's career, maybe the most impressive. I think it's one, I think it's probably, you know, top three, top five matches of his career to this point. So I think we're it's it's curious to see how he handles that moment as well. Um, you know, I think both guys have something to lose. I, I think this one goes against the trend that I've been mentioning earlier. Um, you know, given the dynamics of each player in in, in this match here. Let's, you know, with that said, let's kind of move on just to, I want to just kind of quickly run down the other three courts that will have singles, matches, main draw, uh, of course, on them. So number three court is a pretty nice one, too. Um, Rodwanska, you know, this this court honestly could be just, could be the most competitive, even above the other two that I mentioned. Um Number three court is a great court as well to watch if you ever do get to Wimbledon. I can I can tell you from experience there that's a really nice one, accessible to grounds pass holders as well. Agnieszka Rodwanska, who um, defeated Baczynski today in three sets, gets uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova. Coco Vandeweghe um, has not dropped a set. Cover uh, subject of this latest tennis magazine, which I. Uh, suggest you check out. Uh, we have features actually on Vandewey and Raonic, very timely. And she'll face Caroline Wozniacki, who number five seed. You know, just continuing to, um, you know, keep going with this with this later career renaissance. Um, and you know, her against Vandewey, obviously, such a contrast of styles. Um, I should have said, you know, a little bit about Radwanskin Kuznetsov. I think that has three sets in all over it and, and maybe beyond. Both of those two, uh, Kuznetsov, especially at the slams, have had many, much experience going uh, beyond 6-6. Um, I just like both of those players' games on grass. Um, I do like Vandewey in the Wozniacki match. Um, she'll be, you know, Vandewey will get frustrated in this one. There's no doubt about that, given what Wozniacki will throw at her in terms of counterpunching, 
Um, it, I think a lot of this, as much as it depends on Vandaway's serve, it depends on her return too. She needs to attack the Wozniacki serve um, and sort of really assuming control of those points right away, even when returning. And it closes with Dominic Team against Thomas Burdich. Burdich, you know, still, I mean, doesn't get more under the radar than him at number 11 um, going against Team. Um, Burdich, a finalist here in the past team, again, sort of like Zverev in a way, kind of waiting for that one big breakthrough, um, and that match will close at number three. You move to court 12, which I, um, I was on a couple days ago for the, for Isner against Sela. Um, so a, you know, sort of a tidier, uh, side, you know, side court in a way. Um, again, very strong matches. Ostapenko against Svitolina on court 12. French Open champion against the number four seed. Um, I think could be one of the day's best matches. Um, it'll be right when play starts at 6.30 a.m. Eastern time, 11.30 local. Um, you know, that's that's really, very, really a very strong match to start that day. Um, love what I've seen from Ostapenko so far. And Svitolina, um, you know, again, scars from Roland Garros. I mean, she had, she had, uh, you know, a, a ticket to the final four, all but, uh, you know, all but punch there. And, um, you know, unable to do so, but um, we'll get a nice, uh, nice chance to redeem this second week in Wimbledon. Batista, Gu, and Chilich, um, that one is, um, is, you know, Exiled over here, if you will. Um, you know, not not one of the matches from sort of a buzz or sexiest point of view that's going to move the needle. But you know, I've said it on a few of these podcasts. I'm going to keep saying it. Marin Cilic was my pick and still is my pick. Um, Rafa's making me really think about this, but um, to win Wimbledon, um, and I believe they actually will uh, will meet if they do. Uh, if they advance, I could be wrong on that. I need to check the double check the draw, but um, I'm going Chilich here against Batista Goot. Love the way he's played this far. And the last two singles matches on memorable Monday, um, as it were. Magdalena Rabarakova against Petra Mardik on court 18. Um, and Sam Query against Kevin Anderson. So with Rabarakova, what I what I implore you to do is to check out Steve Tigner's really smart piece on her her game her her you know why it's catered to Wimbledon why it's a throwback game and as a result of her run to this point um you know I think a fresh look at why a wide open women's draw which I know it's cliched and I know it kind of can you know in a way sort of play down the What's going on um, on the on the WTA tour at the moment? But it is a wide open draw. I mean, any it, it is there are many possible winners you could you could definitely f- conceive of, um, and um, you know the the case can even be taken down to Rabarakova. Um, and uh, I I think you know given what we've seen from her, I like uh, kind of like her as well in this one to open court eighteen. And Corey versus Anderson, um, you know, this is this kind of has that, you know, two huge servers, kind of has that Isner-Mahout type feel. It's on court 18-2, American player. Um, 
Anderson, again, um, you know, certainly not someone who would be your typical unseated player at Wimbledon. Uh, Query, you know, still erratic, but on grass, certainly a lot more consistent. Has, you know, has really played his way into a pretty solid area, this top, you know, top 25, top 30 level. And he's been there for quite a long time. I think, I think his sort of, um, you know, endurance and durability in this area should is a bit overlooked. You know, I did write a little bit about about Isner this week while I was over at Wimbledon, actually back in the in the states now. Um, you know, I think given where U.S. tennis um, what is was you know after you know obviously some all time greats in the '90s and early 2000s and Roddick, um, you know, midway through this past uh, decade here, I think. You know, sort of by no fault, by not by fault of their own, Isner and Query have really taken, you know, I think some unfortunate sort of flack um, by fans and in the media. Uh, this should be celebrated for Query, especially after him, he defeated Djokovic here last year at Wimbledon uh, to come back a year later and put this forth. Um, and I think both of these two have to really, um, you know, have to really like this matchup. Fourth round, you get, you know, Query gets an unseated player. It's still a tough player, but it's, you know, the alternatives are much, uh, much more, you know, treacherous. And, um, and, you know, Anderson too, I mean, you know, not, uh, not too far away from, uh, reaching a quarterfinal at Wimbledon. Um, you know, he, he, I think he has to like that. I'll go query here though. Um, but we'll see what happens. And, uh, and that, you know, those are the 16, those are your 16 singles matches, um, unless I, you know, somehow happen to miss one here. But I, you know, they're all, of course, put on, you know, the best courts at Wimbledon. Um, it's, you know, it's it's really one of tennis's great days. So no matter where you are in the world, I certainly suggest you, uh, you tune in, um, enjoy what should be a great day of tennis. And when it's all through, we will come back, you know, and uh, dissect it right here on what will be back to a 10-minute podcast. Um, made up for your uh, two-miss podcast. We're about tennis in 30 right now. And with that, I will sign off. This is Ed McGrogan. Um, back in the U.S., still fighting off a little bit of uh, heavy travel, but uh, a great time at Wimbledon, and I look forward to watching on TV with all of you. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.